Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport. The leader in motorsport safety starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Motorsports two-hour conversation block as we kick off another episode of Lead Lap here on the Performance Motorsports Network presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. My name is Tom Baker. I am broadcasting live as the show airs live, broadcasting live from the WSIC studios in Statesville, North Carolina. And I am joined on this episode of Lead Lap by Jacob Seelman from Speed Sport and SpritCarMidget.com. Jacob is actually coming to us live via the strutmasters.com Skype line from the PMN South Studios out there in Lincolnton, North Carolina, or somewhere thereabouts. Jacob, uh, good to have you on and good to be able to chat racing for a couple of hours here tonight. We have got plenty to talk about because you were at Martinsville all weekend taking in the valley star credit union 300 and i think we could probably spend at least half the show just talking about martinsville uh but while you were doing that the nascar boys were at dover and the xfinity series and the cup series were both in action and plenty to talk about from there as well i think we'll actually go off the uh the traditional news page here normally we start the show with news i think i'm going to just uh kind of go off the board here a little bit and let's start with martinsville because this show loves to talk about uh well about anything that races at martinsville and uh the late model race is always one of the biggest shows it was the highest paying late model race for the nascar late model stocks um and my goodness gracious i mean Josh Berry showed up with an AK-47 to a knife fight. He just basically kicked everybody's butt. What's going on with that? Well, what's going on with that, as far as I'm concerned, is a good team bringing a good car with a driver who was pissed off because he had a good car last year and didn't win with it. That's basically what that equates to. I don't think this team has something radically figured out that nobody else figured out at Martinsville. I just believe that Josh Berry was... Pretty much, I don't want to say incensed, but he was beyond motivated after having what he called the dominant car a year ago and not being able to win with it. In fact, he said his car last year was every bit as good, he felt like, as his car this year was, just with inversions and other things in the format last year that shuffled him back into traffic, um, it, it just ultimately didn't work out for him, which is unfortunate, but he came back with a vengeance and avenged that this year. He led every single lap. He won both stages. He won the pole. He set a new track record. He won the race. Do you want to know what that payday adds up to? 32000 plus about 12000 more in bonus awards for a grand total of $44,000 for a late model stock car race people yeah i was gonna say i knew he was close to 45 by the time he added all that uh, contingency money and everything else up it was really just unbelievable to watch it I mean, really was it you know, really was you i mean that car just looked like it was 
basically in a slot, um, as if it was a slot car just driving around. He it it didn't even look like he had to try hard. I mean that that thing was just that was as um, dominant a performance as I think I've ever seen in anything in Martinsville, and and certainly. I've never seen a late model race where somebody just flat owned everybody else that way. Um, unbelievable. So junior motorsports, uh, brought two big stars to, uh, the half mile and, and they left with a trophy left with a trophy. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, it was amazing that the, the 98 of Bubba Pollard, we thought would, would be right up there challenging, uh, for the win, never really got there. I mean, it just, um, you know, he was okay, but he really wasn't competitive for a podium spot pretty much the entire race from, from what I could uh, could observe from watching it. Um, no, I mean, he, he wasn't, and I got a chance to talk to him about that afterwards, and there was a very specific reason why. It didn't come down to handling. It didn't even come down to driver. It came down to the fact that they didn't make the right choice on what gear to put in the car for his car, and he told me afterwards, he said, because of that, we had absolutely no drive off, and Tom, you and I both know it doesn't matter if you're racing a late model, a truck, a cup car, a modified you know, a, a horse and buggy. I don't care what you're driving at Martinsville. You need drive up off those corners because of how flat they are in order to make any kind of speed and any kind of lap time. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think the, the surprise is, you know, it was obvious that Josh had enough drive off for the rest of the field and he could have given up uh, about half of his and probably still won. And, you know, and Bubba just looked flat the entire race. I mean, it just was, um, it was definitely, I mean, I hate to use the word lackluster, but it, it certainly didn't live up to the performance that we were all expecting from Bubba Pollard out of that second junior car. I mean, that, well, and then that should, you know, you what know. that comes down to is just that the car didn't have the speed in it that he needed to go up and challenge his teammate. He said yeah. if they had gone with the gear that, you know, they needed or, or something similar to where to where Josh's car was geared. He said, you know, that he felt he'd have been right up there going tooth and nail with Josh for the win. Unfortunately, they just, you know, made, made a miscalculation and didn't have that. And, you know, that's yeah. big time auto racing, as Bubba told me. You'll have that sometimes. And unfortunately, it was in the biggest race of the year. But again, you know, you, you live, you learn and you know, I would hope that at least a top five performance and knowing what they did wrong is enough to perhaps con, uh, you know, convince Junior or tell Junior that, hey, maybe you bring Bubba back and try again and get a get one heck of a fight out of it. Well, yeah, I uh, I definitely think that, um, you know, it's it certainly was it was an impressive performance, uh, you know, on Bubba's on uh, rather on Josh's part with with. Uh, you know, no, uh, there's nothing you can say about that. I think that uh, he's definitely, you know, he's got to be on cloud nine right now because when you walk off with $44,000, that um, that goes a long way toward paying the freight for, uh, you know, for not just the Martinsville race, but uh, most of the rest of your season, if not all of it. Yeah, I, I would say, and I know Josh has at least one more race, as far as I know, left because he's in the uh, thick of the Cars Tour 
championship fight with Bobby McCarty, who ended up also running very, very well in the Valley Star Credit Union 300. Uh, ended up, you know, well inside the top 10 at the end of that one, uh, just as his teammate, Timothy Peters, actually ended up on the podium uh, in a Nelson Motorsports car. But, uh, you know, Bobby and Josh, uh, you know, qualified top three. They were both in contention throughout the weekend. And that title fight is going to come down to South Boston Speedway on Saturday, November the 2nd, when they determine the uh, late model stock car championship on the Cars Tour. And I, I kind of found it appropriate that for much of that race it was those two because it seems like in the world of late model stock racing this year, there's been Josh Berry and Bobby McCarty, and then there's been, well, everybody else pretty much. Well, yeah, I mean, that's really, um, that's been the story this year for sure. Although, uh, you know, I've been to several of the Cars Tour races, and, you know, it's, yes, Josh has won his share. I think he's got three. McCarty's got a couple. I mean, you've, you know, you've definitely got a title fight going there, but it, it hasn't been like the two of them have just driven off from the rest of the field. There's a, there's a pretty good, I would say there's probably eight to 10, at least really competitive cars in the stock division of the cars tour this year. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, they've been kind of rotating, the golden horseshoe around a little bit <laughs> you get you know some tracks you know some of the guys have better luck than others but you've you know you've seen that uh there have been at least five or six at each race that could contend um you know that that race in november is going to be very interesting mccarty's going to give it everything he's got i'm sure because he really wants to win that title bad and i know josh does as well um it's going to be a lot of fun to see how that one turns out and and you know that that track to me is is the perfect way to, um, you know, to, to finish that one that season off. Oh no, it definitely is. And uh, you know, uh, the I look back on Martinsville. That's a great track to uh, finish the you know Virginia Triple Crown off because it starts yep. off with a uh, you know 200 lapper at South Boston. It goes to a 200 lapper at Langley and ends with a 200 lapper at uh, Martinsville, which always seems to shuffle the picture a little bit compared to what you think it's going to be and uh, we can certainly talk a little bit more about that how that triple crown shook out as uh, we continue on this show but you know isn't it appropriate that at the end of the day the guy that uh, Josh Berry ended up ultimately beating to win the Valley Star Credit Union 300 is the guy who well just seems to end up getting gently beaten by everybody no matter which Valley Star Credit Union 300 he's running because he finished second for the fifth time in that race Lee Pulliam yeah and you know again you, you would you just wouldn't expect Lee Pulliam, who's won, what, five national titles or something. I mean, he's multiple national championship winner, and you just wouldn't expect him to get beat that badly at Martinsville. But, you know, again, it's a testament to, I mean, Josh had something in that car that nobody else had. Uh, and Pulliam did a great job to finish second, but he just had nothing to say about uh, what Josh Berry was doing. I mean, Josh would you'd have a restart by the end of the first lap after the restart he's got almost a full second lead just incredible yeah. um so josh berry the big winner at martinsville a great job for him and um you know obviously uh, now we we look forward to 
um, the Cars Tour closer here in this area for the late models and a Myrtle Beach uh, 400 time coming up. Now, now, well. now, I know we're going to break here, but I, I yeah. do, before we shuffle too far away from Martinsville, when we come back in the next segment, I do want to give a couple shout-outs, if I can, real quick, before sure. we get too far yeah. oh, away yeah. from Martinsville. We're not done yet. We'll talk more Martinsville. We've got NASCAR coming up and a lot more. So stick around. We're just getting started. We Lap Radio continues presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right after this. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. This is Anthony Alfredo, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsports, the leaders in motorsports safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. We're happy to have Joe Falk and everyone from HMS on board with us 
as we continue to grow our race chaser lineup of shows we've got a new one starting tomorrow here in the uh studios at wsic it will be live every tuesday morning beginning tomorrow at 11 o'clock eastern it's called the inside pass randy miller who uh, is with us on our motorsports madness show on thursdays with jacob and i randy will be hosting this show this is his podcast but we're going to make it a live radio show now uh i will co-host with him and uh that show will air uh here in the charlotte lake norman area on all three of wsic's radio signals 1400 am 100.7 fm and 105.9 fm as well as both of their tv feeds uh mooresville continuum uh, cable channel four and also uh, wsic tv 25.2 in charlotte and looking forward to kicking that off anthony alfredo will be with us in studio and we will give away tickets to the nhra uh carolina nationals that are coming up here this coming weekend we got a family four pack for the whole weekend so that should be fun so again uh, if you're outside of the charlotte area and you can't get it on any of those platforms. The good news is two things. One, you can hear us live on WSICFM.com, WSICFM.com. Or uh, you can hear it uh, as part of the Performance Motorsports Network lineup of shows. And um, look forward to having that show be a part of PMN as well. So with that, we continue with tonight's show and we were talking Martinsville, Jacob, and you had some other uh, shout-outs that you wanted to give. And um, I think before we do that, can we collectively both agree that um, we can breathe now? Tanner Gray's flip was uh, – not Tanner. Taylor Gray's flip was uh, pretty nasty for a late model. I haven't seen a late model roll like that in a while. And uh, thank God he was okay because that, uh, that was a crazy deal over there. It really was, and one of those moments where I just kind of, I, we all gasped and, like you said, held our breath because I've yeah. never seen anything flip at Martinsville, much less a late model. And the if you got a chance to look at that car afterwards, there were a few photos that circulated around on social media. I mean, it brought the, uh, it brought the roof down a little bit towards Taylor. I mean, T- Taylor's not exactly tall, but uh, in, in any event, I wouldn't want anything that's over my head coming down closer to it so no. you know luckily they were able to uh to cut him out of the car quickly and taylor was okay he radioed to the crew as soon as he stopped moving that you know everything was was good and he felt all right but it was a very scary looking ride and i mean it, it, it wasn't just he tipped over he barrel rolled almost two full revolutions before that car came to a yeah. stop yeah you normally like i said you normally don't see a late model do that and um you know, you're you're certainly not expecting that. Oh no, not uh, at it all. It was just you know, it was just crazy the way that he, I I think he actually kind of like back, almost backed over another car the way that that that, that whole thing set up. So it was just a weird yeah, how that set up was actually uh, Sammy Smith in the twelve car uh, cut a uh, I think it was a left rear tire. And the car cut from the top of the racetrack to the bottom of the racetrack pretty suddenly. And Taylor was trying to shoot the gap 
on the bottom because he saw it start happening or he saw the tire go down on Sammy's car and the hole just closed up so quickly that when the front end of Sammy's car cut down in front of Taylor's car, the, the front end of Taylor's car actually ramped over Sammy's fender and that's what got him started flipping. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was just uh, just a very different, you know, very sort of unusual, mm-hmm. uh, you know, situation there to see him launch like that. Um, but thankfully, he was okay. And yeah, there definitely are some some worthy shout outs because I mean, we talked about how dominant Josh Berry was. But, you know, quite honestly, there was plenty of good racing behind him. Um, and plenty of good performances by some drivers that you may not expect. No, to, I, uh, I would agree. To be up in the top uh, ten at the end. Yeah, and I, you know, that was actually where I wanted to go. One of them didn't ultimately finish in the top ten, but I wanted to give him a shout out anyways. Two names for me came to mind. Uh, one of them was Dustin Rumley, who came home with a top ten finish. Uh, you know, product yeah. out of the Legends cars and has formerly run at the uh, Bojangles Summer Shootout Series up at Charlotte, but has done more in the late models over the past couple of years. And Rumley uh, doing a nice job, actually stayed in the top 10 for most of the second half of that race. Uh, it was really impressive to me, the job he did uh, being able to, to put that run together and not just put the run together, but stay up as far as he was. I think he was as high as third at one point in that race. And I'm going, are, are we sure this is Dustin Rumley, really? And it's not somebody impersonating him? Cause, uh, I, I was just genuinely surprised, but he told me afterwards that was a brand new race car for them. Um, they brought it specifically for Martinsville, and they really showed out well for it. He said, uh, you know, now that they know what the car has uh, in store, that they're looking forward to taking it up to Ace Speedway here, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend for the Rodney Cook Classic um, and running it up there to try and get another really strong run. So a lot of good things for Dustin Rumley. And then, of course, uh, you know, the well, driver who... Hang on, let me, okay. let me jump in here because um, adding to the Rumley uh-huh. uh, applause, his crew chief was Tristan Hughes. Or, uh, yeah, uh, Tristan Hughes. And, and you know, there's a, a, there's a guy who was formerly a racer himself and actually has run Martinsville, didn't run it this year, teamed up with, with Dustin, um, or didn't make it this year, teamed up with Dustin, as his crew chief and i'll tell you what he did a really nice job it sometimes you know you can get two people together who you know you you got one that's a driver that obviously is going to do the driving you got another one that's a driver who's going to play crew chief who doesn't really have a ton of crew chief experience other than for himself and the two of them team up and look what happens they go out and finish top 10 in a race where there weren't a ton of people that fell out of this one. No, I mean, there wasn't as far a lot of attrition. As, you know, attrition. Yeah, yeah there really um, wasn't. So, I mean, he they earned that, and that was a, a, a good job by both of those guys, I think, and, and wouldn't be surprised at all to see him contend for the win at Ace. No, not at all. Um, now, the uh, the other driver I wanted to give a shout-out to did not finish there, but certainly proved that his strong run a year ago was no fluke and just had more bad luck was uh, Lane Riggs, who yep. came back to Martinsville really kind of, I don't want to say with a chip on his shoulder, but kind of in a way. Um, and, you know, Lane 
did a nice job. Qualified outside pole, ran among the top five to seven the entire night up until the very end of the second stage, which was uh, right before the restart after Taylor's flip and the red flag. Uh, he radioed to the crew that something felt broken and uh, tried to write, you know, he wrote it out to the stage break, but when they got it on pit road, I, uh, I never heard exactly what part it was failed, but it was something that Scott said um, they, you know, they wouldn't be competitive for the last 50 laps, and at that point they just elected to, uh, to retire the race car. But, you know, if not for that, I really believe that Lane, uh, he had fallen back a little bit, and he, you know, I had heard he was saving his stuff over the radio, so would have been interesting to see if he couldn't have challenged for a podium spot as well. He even said, you know, later on on social media that nobody had anything for the 88, but, you know, Lane did a nice job, and, you know, unlike his reputation from last year, uh, I I don't. I think I barely saw him touch another car all weekend. It was an extremely clean run, extremely fast run, and it just didn't pan out for the young seventeen-year-old. No, and Lane is, again, you know, he's a driver with a great future. There's no question about it. I mean, um, you know, he's he's a contender wherever he goes with his late model, and I think, you know, this is um, obviously you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna finish them all, but. Had he finished, I'm sure he'd have been in contention, just like uh, the point that you made. I mean, and again, you look at, I mean, Lee Pulliam second, Timothy Peters third, Bobby McCarty fourth, Bubba Pollard fifth, Peyton Sellers sixth. You know, if you count Barry, there's there's six drivers. Now, I know that, that you know, Bobby Mack is still relatively young <laughs> by the rest of the standards of the top six, but... You know, he's in terms of his driving and where he's at in, in the late model world in this area, he's as good as any of them. And so there's your top six. So if you're Lane Riggs and you finish anywhere in the in that group, in that conversation, you've done a, you've done all right. You've had a pretty good day. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, he's, you know, he's had some pretty good days this year and just a lot of bad luck again on the Cars Tour side. I don't really feel like any of his results uh, on the Cars Tour side are representative of the speed they've had. It's just been a lot of bad luck and Martinsville's, you know, was supposed to be the rebound and it started as that for for a while and just you know, in the final laps. Again, like, you know, a microcosm of his season, if you will. It yeah. just didn't pan out. But I think he's got a lot of good things ahead and uh, definitely not worried about what 2020 is going to hold. I think Lane and the whole Riggs team are going to bounce back and be better than ever. Well, I, I would agree. Justin Carroll, a really nice run for seventh. Kyle Dugley, eighth. Dustin Rumley, ninth. And Cress Van Dyke, tenth. And, you know, again, um, I don't tend to sit and read a lot of results on these shows because we really want to talk about people and, and stories and performances. But um, at Martinsville, you can make an exception because, you know, really you've got an all-star lineup in an all-star race. I mean, um, I felt bad for Jacob Hefner because he got caught up in the situation um, with Mike Looney early in the race when Looney um, I'm not sure really what was going on there. I mean, that right front tire rub that he had was easily bad enough that he should have pitted laps before he did. Yeah, I didn't um, understand that myself. And there were a lot of media that uh, was in agreement with me on that front. Just that was a very head shaking kind of moment that it was blatantly obvious that that tire was never going to make it to the 
to the break, so I don't even know why they were trying, and what they left with was a junked race car, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and and Hefner got involved with him, thankfully not bad enough to take him out, because uh, he ended up with a nice recovery to finish 12th, which was the reason that I uh, mentioned that. Travis Swain, Mike Darn, and Brendan Poole doing a nice job in an on-point late model um, start to finish in 15th. So yeah, there's Brennan, your uh, top Brennan's, half of the feet. Brennan's uh, presence there was a little bit interesting, actually. And yeah. the story behind that car, Tom, right before we go to break, you, th- they found that chassis in a, in a bed of weeds behind a barn. Really? I kid you not. It looked like something oh. out of Dale Jr.'s car graveyard. When they found it, Brennan actually posted a picture of it on Twitter, and they dug it out. The, nothing was rotted. Everything was in good shape, so they took the chassis, got the up-to-date parts on it, put it together, and went out not only raced their way in, but ran pretty respectably for it once they raced their way in. I mean, it was one of those where I just kind of shake my head and go, wow, that old thing went and did that? Really? Well. There again, that's uh, those are the stories you love, and that's what uh, makes racing such a cool sport when you see something yes. like that happen. And once again, Brandon Poole proving that he can get much out of less. And, you know, he's, uh, he's just a tremendous talent, and he seems to be, he and that on-point motorsports team seem to have blended very well, and I think uh, only good things ahead for them. Uh, with that, we'll step aside. When we come back, well... We've got playoffs, playoffs, and more playoffs to talk about, and some other things as well. Before we're done, stick around. You are listening to Lead Lap, and we'll be we'll be right back. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels New to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I, I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes In biology, me. I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. 
Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Media sales professionals with agency experience. If you're frustrated with your current position, unrealistic quotas, and inept management, if you're a sales machine and you simply will not take no as an acceptable reply, if you're looking for a rapidly growing company with unlimited sales potential for commissions in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, if you're searching for a high-tech, forward-looking, laid-back, but extremely professional organization who appreciate your skills and dedication, we have your next opportunity. Scorpion Radio Group is building a sales team of self-starters who are motivated. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444 or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. That's 717-749-0444 and ask for Sue. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Never go wrong with Metallica. Welcome back to Moon Lap. Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman with you tonight and talking racing. Happy to have you aboard if you're listening to us live on the Performance Motorsports Network or whether you're listening to us on demand through one of our Race Chaser Radio podcast platforms or maybe a replay on Performance Motorsports Network. We certainly appreciate um, you joining us. So we're talking NASCAR for the moment here as we uh, transition into a look back at uh, the weekend that was at Dover. Uh, and then we'll kind of look ahead because we all know what's coming up this coming weekend. Uh, if you're a NASCAR fan, the ultimate wild card Talladega super speedway. Um, but um, well, Jacob, just when you count Kyle Larson out, you realize you can't count Kyle Larson out. I'm not sure that I ever counted Kyle Larson out. Well, that was more of a, general collective statement i don't think too many people gave kyle a real chance just i think a based on the fact that well the gibbs cars have been dominant and they more or less were uh at one point or most points i think of uh of the race at dover except for the lead i mean kyle pretty much um owned that but uh you know denny hamlin led more laps than he did um you know, it it's uh, it was interesting to see Young Money get up and get the win, uh, and at least make sure that for him, Talladega is really a non-issue. Oh, absolutely! Oh. And for Kyle Larson, he's the only one that's going to get any real sleep between now and the end of the Sunday Cup race at Talladega Super Speedway because he is the only one in the playoffs that knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is safe and he will have nothing to worry about going into the next two rounds or next two races, I should say, because he is already 
on to the round of eight, which is something that Kyle Larson had never done in his Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series career. So that's a big statement for him. It's a big statement for Chip Ganassi Racing as a team because Ganassi had never been on to the round of eight as, as an organization as well. So a lot of really big statements from a lot of people, I think, by virtue of this victory. And it comes, you know, as Kyle said, the timing of this win was particularly important because, you know, they hadn't won since the All-Star race in May, and it was their first points-paying win since September of 2017. But there's a lot to be said for peaking at the right time. And perhaps Kyle Larson and this 42 team are starting to fire on all cylinders right when they need to be, which is going down the stretch run of this playoff. Well, which leads me to my next question. Do you, does this win, is this a win that says Kyle Larson is a legitimate threat to get to Homestead and win the championship? Or is this win a congratulations, Kyle, you did a great job, but I still don't see you going to the final four. Where do you fall in terms of his chances to get through the rest of this round and the um, get to Homestead after the round three. I'm about 50-50 on this right now, and I'll explain why in a minute, but my point to that is it all depends on what he does next. There's one race in particular that I believe stands between Kyle Larson and and going to Homestead with a shot to fight for the championship. And that race is the opening race in the round of eight at Martinsville Speedway because Kyle has traditionally struggled pretty mightily there. And he's uh, he's not necessarily in a point hole per se, but he's in a point hole compared to the four guys who scored the most playoff points during the regular season, who were Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski. He's in a point hole to those four, which puts those four you know, providing they all make it through this reset, in the best spot at the start of the third round of the playoffs. And for Larson, he, he knows, and he said it in the post-race winner's conference, I ha he said, I have to go in and get a lot of points at Martinsville. Otherwise, we might, you know, we might be struggling a bit, Texas and Phoenix, to make something happen. If Kyle Larson gets through Martinsville in a position to challenge for a top-four spot, I, be, I will believe he is a legitimate threat to go to Homestead. I, but right now, Martinsville is the one thing that stands, in my mind, that stands between Kyle Larson and a shot to race for a championship. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's just kind of interesting when you look at, um, in the playoff standings, um, you know, you, you got Larson, um, you know, right in the mix. I mean, he's he's there. Uh, but you know, what do we always say? It, it's race to race. And, you know, at some point you got to win. Well, Kyle won, but did he win too early? And that's, that's my, um, you know, my concern. I think we need to see something out of him. Um, I think, I don't think he can afford a bad day at Talladega, I understand that it's not going to change the fact that he's through to the next round, but I think Kyle is a, I think that's a team you're not going to, you're not going to see, you know, multiple wins and a big, huge, you know, run for that team. I don't believe, I think, 
you know, they got the win. I think he needs to keep accumulating those stage points. So I don't think they can afford to just throw away the next two races because they're in the next round. I think, you know, he's still got to be consistent. I don't think well, he's okay. As... So here's the key point to that, though. What's the best way to accumulate playoff points? Win races because you get five of them every time you win. So if he goes well, out sure. and wins yeah. at Talladega or goes out and wins at Kansas, that's five points closer to those four guys he's chasing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, exactly. I, I don't, he's, he's fifth right now in, in, you know, in the standings, he's, he's there. Um, but again, I, I just think that, you know, he's, he's just not a team. I don't think that team is going to go and win another two races, for example, between now and Homestead. I just don't, um, you know, Again, Talladega is a wild card, but I don't I just don't see that happening. Like you said, Martinsville's a challenge for him. So he's got to go perform well there to make sure that he gets off to a good start. Yes. And if he you know, if he doesn't finish and when I say finish well, I'm saying finish in the the playoff group. You know, if he doesn't finish top ten well compared to you know, to the other uh, eight guys. I think, you know, you got a situation here where he's he's going to be in some trouble. And I think when you look at Talladega, you know, you got, you've got Hendrick, the Hendrick cars, there's no question that Hendrick Motorsports is, I'm not going to say they're all the way back, but boy, they're, they're competitive. I mean, all we, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but, you know, you, you Hendrick's, they're going to be competitive at Talladega. And you've got the Forge, you got Harvick. We know they were competitive last year. Now, of course, you know, new package, new situation. But, you know, you've you've got the the Gibbs cars, you know, we're going to do well. I mean, I just, you know, I don't think I, th I don't think we w we can jump on the bandwagon right yet of Kyle Larson's. But certainly he needed this win. He needed a way to make sure he got to the third round and at least gave himself a fighting chance. Absolutely. And. You know, my, my I recognize he's fifth right now. I was more talking about, you know, trying to get to fifth in in points for the reset. Um, right. big, you know, if you're if you're within the top five or six seeds when they reset that round of eight, then you're in a really good spot. But uh, Larson, right. I think before uh, before that would have been probably close to the bottom, either seventh or eighth uh, in the reset of the top eight. So, you yeah. know, like you said, he very much needed this win. It's a very big thing for him, and I honestly think it's a big thing for Chip Ganassi Racing. And they did get the win with Kurt Busch earlier this year at uh at bristol but or not bristol um shoot what was it kentucky yeah I think yeah it was kentucky. my bad yeah i was i was thinking of the race he almost won at bristol with his where his brother actually went to victory lane but yeah they got the win earlier this year with kurt bush but i i think a win by kyle larson with the primary ganassi car you know really proving that kyle's still just as much there as as Kurt is in the one car, I think was a, was a big statement for this team that they can still field two competitive cars, and it's going to be you know the, I, I don't believe we're done seeing great things out of this team even going into next year. I think this this is proof that Chip Ganassi Racing as a whole is back where they need to be. Well, I hope so. I'd like to see that. I mean, I think it's you know it definitely is a different 
it's a different vibe when you've got Larson competitive as compared to what we've seen out of him this year, which really has been a, it's not that he hasn't had speed at times, but we'll talk more about this uh, after the break here, because definitely a lot to dissect as we go into Talladega. We'll be back with more lead lap right around the turn. Stick around. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Well, that would have been a really appropriate segue if I wasn't planning to go somewhere else with the segue, which was that Tom was talking about our, uh, you know, the Hendrick Motorsports cars running so well during the last segment. And I was going to make the comment that during the last break, I uh, went and grabbed myself a uh, portion of the official soft drink of Hendrick Motorsports. I cracked open my Mountain Dew for this segment, Tom. (laughs) Well... (laughs) that's um, actually my beverage of choice over here too. So um, I guess we can share that. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely a, I I think the last uh, couple of weeks, particularly for Hendrick have been uh, really, really revealing 
Um, I mean, these guys are now becoming a legitimate threat. I mean, once again, you see Alex Bowman finish third after his second place at the Roval. Jimmy Johnson, eighth place. Um, you know, it was it was a, a William Byron finished 13th, but uh, he was definitely better than that. Um, he was hampered you know, by Ch- that speeding penalty. Yeah, that's that, that's what hurt him. And, of course, Chase Elliott was sort of the um, disappointment of, of the bunch. He blew it up just after the start, which, I mean, that was following. Um, Joey Logano, who lost the axle. Yeah, uh, before the green, which yeah. was, I mean, the when's monster the last, mile was. When's the last time you saw that, a car breaking an axle before the green flag? Yeah, that's it's crazy. I mean, it, it just was it was a weird, weird start to that race. Uh, and it looked like it was going to be just um, uh, it, it looked like a bad omen. But it ended up, uh, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a good race overall. Uh, you know, between Hamlin and Larson, they pretty much owned the lead. But a lot of good stuff going on behind him in the Hendrick cars were part of that. And I think that takes me back to what I was saying in terms of, you know, looking ahead to Talladega. If you are Kyle Larson, you know, you've got to deal with uh, certainly the Hendrick cars who are always good on super speedways, period, uh, in terms of power. And then you've got Gibbs, who I think is going to do just fine. And, you, and you've also got uh, you, you've also got the Fords uh, last year. SHR cleaned house here. Now, I know that uh, the only one still in the uh, playoff scenario is uh, Kevin Harvick. But nonetheless, still going to be, you know, I think the SHR guys are going to do well. I, and I think the Penske guys are the sleepers. And, and you now you look at this and you say, we're going to Talladega and you've got two guys, Chase Elliott and Joey Logano, who desperately need a bunch of points here and preferably a win because unlike Kyle Larson, they had disastrous days at Dover. So they did. Um, they did. Yeah. So I mean, you you look at those two, and they can't afford another a bad day here. They've got to run up front, and I think that that becomes a storyline to watch as we go into a race that traditionally is uh, as unpredictable as it gets. Oh, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Joey Logano, he's the one guy who's in a hole right now that could just as easily go to Talladega and lead 90% of the race and win the entire thing. Why? Because he's done it before. And he was just as strong with this package here in the spring at Talladega, even though the the Chevys kind of gang-rushed him at the end of that race to win it, uh, which is why Kyle, I don't think Kyle Larson has to, quote, deal with the Hendrick drivers at all, because I think they're going to be working together under the the you know Chevrolet Manufacturer Alliance to try and make all that happen. This is going to be a game of manufacturers until about one lap to go on Sunday, I believe, just like it was back uh, when we were at this track in April. It's going to be all about helping the uh, insignia on your front hood, at least until you try to win the race yourself. But no, Joey Logano is a driver who could just as easily go and control this race and have a shot to win it because that's what Penske Super Speedway cars do. They go, they dominate, and they win more often than not. I mean, Brad Keselowski's got five or six of these Talladega wins. Joey Logano's got three of his own. I mean, the two and the 22 right now are my two picks to go out and just you know, bull rush this race on Sunday, quite frankly. 
I just uh, I don't see anybody bull rushing anything the way that uh, everybody's been running as of late. I think this could be as unpredictable as it gets. This, for example, is the one best shot that I believe William Byron would have at getting a win. Um, I'm not talking about advancing in the playoffs. Um, I'm talking about getting a win, although he certainly needs to uh, certainly needs to start stepping it up here if he's going well, to uh, to do that. But uh, even even at but, 13th with the speeding penalty, William Byron still made a pretty good haul of points to uh, move above the cut line. Yeah. Yep, he did. No question, um, especially early in the race, he was very good. But nonetheless, he's you know he's he's got to show. I mean, if you're going to get to the final four. You got to win something. And right. I just think Talladega and maybe Martinsville would be his best shot. But you got to, you know, you got to get there. You got to get to the, um, you got to get to the third round. And I, and I, I think, uh, so again, the unpredictability of this, I mean, nobody expected the four SHR cars to do what they did last year. And you can no. bet that the strategy they used, I mean, now everybody sees that. So, you know, your Hendrick cars are going to play together. Your Gibbs cars can play together. Larson's probably going to help any Chevy that he needs to at this point. I was going to say, keep in mind what that line of Chevrolets looked like back in April. It was Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Daniel Hemrick, uh, Ryan Priest, and Chris Busher, I think, were the five Chevys that were yeah. all in a line there at the end. So well, it, it's I'm not saying. just about teams. It's all about that insignia. Well, and that's it. And I mean, that's so this is really unpredictable. So I don't think when when I look at this, I don't see anybody bull rushing or, or dominating or um, especially with this package. I just think that um, and again, you know, we all know that one mistake and we lose 10 or 15 cars and that can still happen even with this package. Obviously, it's still Talladega. That hasn't changed. Uh you know, and and so I think you you know you look at anybody really as a a potential to win, and if you want somebody to be up there spoiling it, I I, I think you can throw both the six of Ryan Newman, who I think is going to be especially intriguing to watch here, and also the ninety five of uh, De Benedetto as another potential uh, you know contender for the win. I I just think. I think this is going to be a really intriguing race. And the thing that I love most about this, Jacob, is we're sitting here and we've, you know, all, all year long, Gibbs, 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 Gibbs. I mean, you get, you know, the other guys, Penske put their cars in the playoffs early, uh, two of the three anyway, um, you know, you and then kind of disappeared. But it's basically been a Joe Gibbs year. And we're sitting here talking about the Hendrick cars. We're talking about Kyle Larson. We're talking, you know, talking about uh uh, Logano and Kozlowski. So, you know, this, this is a track where you can throw all of that out and, you know, and sit back and just watch the chess match, because I feel like this is more of a chess match than it is, you know, a, a speed match. And whatever you've done all year, doesn't make a doggone bit of difference when you roll through, uh, and into Talladega's infield. 
No, that's a hundred percent true. What you everything else does not make a lick of difference when you roll into Talladega. And speaking of making a difference at Talladega, I think we'd be remiss, uh, Tom, if we didn't at least mention the fact that this is going to be the first race after the conclusion of the uh, Talladega transformation, all the redevelopment, the new garage, uh, you know, some additions to the media center, they, they the new tunnel. They've redone a ton of stuff in the infield of this facility to help modernize it and bring it up to date and I'm really excited to get down there this weekend and and see it all firsthand they've made a really big deal about all this and uh, you know it, it's the latest in a trend of tracks that have really started to moderni- modernize and look ahead to the future yeah and I'm excited about that as well you know what they haven't redone though they haven't redone the infield campground at Talladega the people that are going to be entertaining those of us who glance at them from afar are still going to be there. So the partying will still remain. Oh, yes. Just Talladega Boulevard is still very it. much a thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's, there's nothing like uh, the infield at Talladega. Um, it's, uh, it's quite the place. But, uh, yeah, just I, I'm, I'm excited as well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing your review of all of that uh, once you get back. You and I at two different places this weekend. You're going to be um, Bama bound, and I'm going to be uh, staying local and covering the NHRA events uh, at, at uh, ZMAX Dragway and also uh, Hickory on Saturday night for uh, an event as well, which should be fun. And so. Uh, oh, the Isaac? Is uh, that the Saturday um, night? PRA uh, ah okay PRA event uh, on Saturday night yeah their um, their event uh, is going to be there on Saturday should be a lot of fun um, and so yeah um, going to be a good time there and definitely excited about that we'll have more uh, playoff conversation here as league lap rolls on right after this. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Well, I've been afraid of Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. 
from technical to controversial to just fun. Everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Chase Cabry having quite a season in the uh, last season for the NASCAR K&N Pro East Series, which is becoming the Arca Menards East Series for 2020. We have time uh, in the show. We'll get to that. But um, a good year for Chase and happy to, to see that for him. Uh, definitely uh, a, a young man who deserves an opportunity, I think, uh, in the truck series for next year. And maybe if uh, somebody pulls something together for him, he'll he'll get that opportunity. Welcome back to League Lap. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman with you. And we are presented by... HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com for all your driver safety needs, and you should. Um, also, uh, want to give a shout-out to both Strutmasters.com, who is the uh, sponsor of our, well, tonight it's the Skype line. Normally it's the hotline. Um, and uh, also to MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life go to their website take the free career evaluation and you could be on your way to a brand new career in it in as little as four months okay so jacob we uh we continue to talk playoffs here and talk about dover as well and just again we we barely got into the finish here i mean Truex finishing second, not a big surprise to me. Bowman third, I think, was, to be honest. Uh, we talked about Alex, and I think Alex has definitely established himself as a contender going forward. And I love the setup for him going into Talladega. Again, a place where the Hendrick cars traditionally run well. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting where he finds himself at this point because he really needed a couple of good runs and he got them and he goes into a race that feels friendly to, to me for him. Um, and then you come out of Talladega and as long as he doesn't have a, uh, complete meltdown, I mean, really, um, where do we go? I think it's Kansas. Is it Kansas next? It is um, Kansas, which behaves yeah. very much like Chicagoland, which is the race he won earlier this year. That's what I was saying. I feel like this is setting up to be an interesting scenario for Alex. It's certainly a very friendly one. Um, and, and again, we all know how well the Hendrick cars run at Martinsville as well. So if Alex can, can again, grab another top five finish at Talladega, and if he can continue to, to run well at Kansas and go out and run, you know, top five, 
he goes to the third round. You start off at Martinsville, and that's, you know, I feel like Alex may be one of those drivers who might just, if there is a driver who points his way into the fourth, you know, into Homestead, I feel like Bowman could be that driver the way that he's running right now, but I, I certainly think he's capable of a win in one of these next three races. And, you know, that's, uh, like I said, this is a very interesting and favorable uh, schedule for him right now. Well, let's remind everybody that somebody is going to point their way in to the championship four at Homestead, Miami, regardless, because there's four spots and only three races. So even if we had three different winners who were playoff eligible, there's one spot guaranteed on points. But you're right. I believe Alex Bowman could be a guy who points his way into the championship finale at Miami because he's been very consistent when it matters. And you're right. I think Talladega sets up for him very well. We know his crew chief, Greg Ives, knows how to crew chief a super speedway race. He got Dale Earnhardt Jr. to victory lane in a couple of these plate races several times. Uh, And we, again, we know the Hendrick cars are fast on super speedway events. Like I said earlier, Kansas, um, somewhat similar. I've heard people say to Chicagoland, which as we talked about is the race that Alex Bowman won earlier this year to qualify for the playoffs. And then as you mentioned, Martinsville, another track where the 88 team has won in the past with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Another track where the Hendrick Motorsports cars traditionally have speed. You're right. It's a very unique and interesting scenario for Bowman, who I think right now is driving with a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he wants to put all this talk about Bubba Wallace and, and all this other drama outside of the race car. He wants to put that behind him and make people focus on what he's doing on the racetrack. And runs like the one he put in Sunday at Dover are a really good way to do that. Well, Exactly. And I really feel like he needs to put all that behind him for a number of reasons. Obviously, he needs to focus on, you know, winning races and and scoring points to get to the final four and run for the championship this year. But also because, you know, this is a driver who, as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but unless I missed a memo, he does not have a full season sponsor for 2020 right now. For the 88 car now he doesn't have well no they're still working on replacing nationwide yes but rick hendrick is a hundred percent committed to alex bowman and he's going to be racing a full season in 2020 regardless but i i you know you and i have both known rick hendrick long enough to know that he's not going to release something before he's ready to and i'm not worried at all about their ability to have something to replace nationwide before the start of the season if they don't already have it and they're just waiting to announce it well, the point I was going to make is Rick Hendrick has never had an issue with pulling in sponsors. However, again, you know, I think Alex needs to look at this like, you know, he's got to be on his game and he's got to be, the you know, his best. He can't afford to let himself get distracted by silly things like, you know, what happened at uh, the Roval. I think he needs to he needs to just focus on what he's doing. And, you know, again, this is really an opportune time for him to make a step up. And so, you know, he looks like he's he's got a legitimate shot here. You look at, you know, Kevin Harvick finishing fourth, Denny Hamlin, who should have won the race. I mean, that just 
my goodness. Um, you know, you let, you lead 218 laps. I mean, fifth becomes a little bit tough to swallow at that point. But, um, you know, certainly Denny's going to go on here. And I still think that Denny and Martin Truex are the two guys that you're going to have to go through to win the championship. Kyle Busch finishing in sixth. I'm sure he was not happy with that. Matt DiBenedetto, seventh. Jimmy Johnson, eighth. Kurt Busch, ninth. And Clint Boyer, tenth. And of those guys, I mean... You know, we keep mentioning Matt DiBenedetto. He keeps himself in, in the conversation. Matt finds a way to get either into the top 10 or very close to it. I think he was 11th last week, I want to say. And, you know, now he, he comes out with a seventh place. And again, this is a guy going into Talladega that you cannot discount. Um, you Let's know, that remind, team is yeah. capable of a... Let's remind everybody, he led the most laps in the Daytona 500 back in February, oh, by the way, in that 95 car. And I know you hate when I give stats, but can I give some stats because it's Matt DiBenedetto and it's feel good? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Matt DiBenedetto's seventh place run was his seventh, appropriately, top ten finish of the season with Levine Family Racing, all coming since Sonoma back in June. You want to know how many top 10 finishes Levine Family Racing had in every race the team had ever run prior to Sonoma of this year? Seven. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's... Matt DiBenedetto has single-handedly doubled the number of top 10s for that 95 car in its history in the last 15 races, 14 races. And I think when you look at that, you know, that's a stat that I think means something because everybody's running with the same package. So, you know, you, whatever you want to say about this package, the fact is, if you've doubled your team's number of top tens, then, you know, you've beaten enough people with the same package to, to earn that. Right. So I look at Matt DiBenedetto and I look at Justin Haley, who also has more top tens for colleague racing than anyone else has had for him this year in the Xfinity series. And you look at Ross Chastain and what he's done with these motorsports with the number of wins and, and top fives, top tens, whatever. Um, there's three drivers right there that are all young. They're all part of the future of NASCAR. And, you know, those are drivers that regardless of anyone else or whatever else you want to say, just that stat alone, the fact that they have elevated their teams the way that they have and gotten all of those those finishes and in Ross's case, the wins, you know, that that shows something. And so, you know, I think that's a, that's a great stat and it shows you what uh, the Wood Brothers are going to get in uh, 2020. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that Ford back running for wins again. Oh, I am too, 110%. Uh, By the way, speaking of Talladega and Justin Haley, guess who's back this weekend? Um, Okay, I give up. Who's back? I said, speaking of Talladega and Justin Haley, that should have been a a dead giveaway. Yeah, okay, well, (laughs) I just, he's been... (laughs) He's been running the Xfinity car all year. I just didn't know where you were going with that. Okay, yeah. Back in the uh, Spire car, I would assume then? As far as the 77 car, as far as I know, yes. Because yeah. um, yeah. keep in mind, there is no Xfinity race this weekend. That's right. Yep. 
it's uh, trucks and cups. So, uh, well, that's good. I mean, again, you know, super speedways are a place where Justin can get some cup experience and um, actually be competitive, uh, you know, as he proved at Daytona. I mean, granted, you know, it's it's a situational thing for him to get the win. But again, he had to be, you know, in that place. And strategy is always, I don't care what anybody says, strategy is always a part of super speedway racing. As I said earlier, it's a chess game. And, you know, that team played it well and had him in position to at least finish second, you know, even if Kurt Busch ends up winning. Um, but, uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt had his bad luck and who was sitting there when it rained, but Justin Alley. So, yep. um, you know, and that's, uh, I think Justin's got an excellent opportunity here to uh, kind of prove or back up that when, if he can go out and get a top 10 to 15 finish with that car, that would be an amazing run for them. And again, it's a super speedway. I think they can pull that off. Anything can happen. Daytona in July was proof that anything yeah. can happen. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's definitely you could literally we could spend all night talking playoffs on the cup side of things, but uh, we really need to talk about uh, the other series as well, the Xfinity series, and of course the Truck series because the Truck series is coming back in action at Talladega. We'll be back to do all of that right around the turn. This is Lee Lap presented by HMS Motorsport. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. 
outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lean Lap here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman talking racing with you. And we switch gears. We'll talk some Xfinity here for a minute or two because, again, uh, you know, this was, my goodness, um, I don't know what to make of, of not only this race, but also the, the playoff situation. It was really neat to see Cole Custer get the win. And, you know, I kind of feel like, I mean, again, you know, just looking at the tea leaves and the way the tea leaves are blowing. I mean, you, you know, you look at, um, they get a week off and, then rejoin at uh, Kansas. And, you know, Cole Custer is so good on, on those tracks. I, I just, you know, this was a bit of, you know, this was a bit of a statement race, I think, for Cole not to say that, you know, he dominated the event per se, but, you know, he was, he took advantage of some other folks' bad luck to make it a whole lot easier than it otherwise would have been, um, you know, to get the win and, uh, really neat to uh to see him join four other really really good xfinity drivers to win in their 100th start too i thought that was a very uh interesting stat got himself a nice gold monster absolutely as uh by the way the cup series winner kyle larson did yes. on sunday which kyle had an interesting quote about the gold monster that i want to bring up later during the lightning yeah. round but uh, I know where you're going with that. no uh cole custer uh had a fun day, and, and the way I described his romp to victory in that one was right place, right time, right guy. He was in the right place at the right time, and he was the right guy to take advantage of the situation when uh, he and only a couple of other guys had stayed out long on a pit cycle and happened to catch the caution, and yep. you know then by virtue of that were able to trap a lot of faster guys behind him. And much like in the cup race, this race was a track position race. So if you could get out front, more often than not, you could hold it. And that's exactly what Cole did at the end of that race. He held his ground, and it ultimately gave him a seventh win of the season. And if you told me at the start of this year that Cole Custer was going to have seven wins at this juncture of the season, I probably would have laughed in your face because this, to me, has been an absolute breakout season for Cole Custer. I never expected this out of that double zero team. I expected them to consistency the competition to death. I expected them to get a couple of key victories when it counted. I didn't expect Cole Custer to become this suddenly dominant driver who's able to win at the drop of a hat just about anywhere we go. He's truly impressed me, and really, if we were taking nominations for a most improved driver from 2018 to 2019... I would even throw Cole Custer's name into the ring for that one because his his jump from, okay, he's kind of good, he can win a little bit, to, holy crap, he's beating their pants off most weeks. Pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. 
Well, I agree. Um, though, I mean, I see, I guess I was ahead of you on the Custer bandwagon. I figured Cole would run for a championship, and I figured I he would I didn't say he wouldn't run races. for a championship. Um, I just didn't expect him to go out and win seven like this. Well, you know, again, it, it was his... He, he had his learning year, and then you come back, and you've got a year where you know what you're doing, and you've got great equipment underneath you. I mean, you know, there was no reason for him not to be in the situation he's in, and, and I think Cole has proven that uh, he's ready to make that next step to the Cup Series, which I think he will, but that win, again, like you said, it was situational, and this is why they run the races. He led only 31 laps. He led um, the important the two guys, laps, though. Well... You know, exactly. The two guys that led the most laps between them, Chase Briscoe and Justin Allgaier, were two of the guys that we talked about on Thursday's Motorsports Madness show as really needing um, to, to, to step it up and, and, you know, make a good showing, not because necessarily they were in grave danger of falling out of the um, the playoffs, per se, but just to, to kind of build some momentum and to propel them forward with and you know, both of them certainly did that. I think, though, you know, Cinder, uh, um, Allgaier ended up second and, and Briscoe fifth. But both of them, I think, showed that they are going to be contenders going forward. And I think the most improved driver is Austin Sindrick. And Sindrick went out and, and led 29 laps, finished third. And I think that's the guy um, that, that really comes out of this with uh, – probably the biggest smile on his face other than maybe Custer. And that's because um, I think Sindrick is starting to show that it's, he's not just a one trick pony. He, he can win on road courses, but he's going to be a contender on the oval tracks too. And, and, you know, this is not a moment too soon for him to, to, to start running well on, on the ovals and, and putting it on the podium. And the guy I felt most sorry for was Justin Haley because doggone it. he, <laughs> He went out, you know, he got he got himself, you know, a, a nice he had himself a nice day. He didn't lead any laps, but collected forty-two points and and really put himself, you know, in position to advance, except that he had such a, a disaster early in the in the race last week at the Roval that he was thirty-nine points below the cutoff and needed to win to advance. He goes out and runs his butt off, finishes fourth. And in terms of the playoffs, nothing to show for it. He's still out. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's tough. But, again, much like uh, Jimmy Johnson blowing the rear gear seal off at, at Dover a couple years ago and failing to advance out of the first round, you know, these things are situational. They happen sometimes. Yep. But the good news for Justin Haley is they're finding their speed now. And much like Chris Rice said after the race on Saturday, even though we're eliminated, he said Justin Haley's going to run for a championship in 2020, I believe. Yes. And that's something that I think we can all hang our hats on. And Justin Haley can be really excited about because this college racing team is doing nothing but trending up right now in a really 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 big way and I can't wait to see what happens for them next year especially given the persistent rumors that have Ross Chastain as his teammate next year well and that really is um, th that's that's more than rumors those are facts Ross Chastain will be in that 10 car if there's always an if, if the proper funding can be found to put him there um, and to see a two-car team full-time, if they can do that, 
Justin and Ross both running for a championship, that colleague team could be just scary. Um, oh, I think they're going to be know, dangerous I, I, if they put together. You and I have both together. been very uh, optimistic about Justin Haley since you know he moved into the truck series. I think we both believed in him very, um, you know, very much, and and he's he's proving in his first year with the performances that he's given in that car. I think he's proving that he is a guy that's a, he's for one thing he's a very very he's he's a quick learner. Um, and you know, he works his tail off literally. I mean, he, you know, he works out several times a day. He keeps himself in good shape. He, you know, he does the right things. Um, you know, Justin is going to be a driver for sure that I think after uh, the time we're done with 2020, I think you start talking about where could Justin fit into the cup series family, but, uh, certainly a good run. And like I said, a, a great run for Cindric to be third and a great run for Briscoe, the driver who I think is perhaps, most relieved after uh, Dover is Michael Annette because he yeah. squeaks into the next round of the playoffs by the hair on his chinny chin chin. He did squeak through. It uh, was definitely not an easy day for Michael nope. Annette. He had to certainly, you know, he did just enough. I've, if he'd had any misfortunes or maladies, I believe he'd have been out and Justin Haley would have had a shot at it. But as it is, Michael Annette moves on. And, and the, you know, the guy who never really even had a chance, was given a chance because his teammate kind of cleaned him out on lap one inadvertently, was Brandon <laughs> Jones, who took a yeah. massive hit on that opening lap uh, into his teammate Harrison Burton. And, and that was that was a scary crash just looking it at was. it all the way around because Brandon took a, a solid thump into Harrison's car and Harrison's car spinning around violently like a top like that. You know, it's not often you get an entire television booth to drop silent for 10 or 15 seconds, but I imagine all those guys up there, much like Jeff Burton, Harrison's dad, were pretty worried for a few seconds before before Harrison queued up the radio, that was a ugly-looking crash, much like Taylor Gray's flip at Martinsville. Yeah, it certainly was. And you know, again, you you look at these guys: uh, Brandon Jones, bad luck. Noah Gregson had another consistent run to be seventh, but I know that that team wants to be uh, up up into the top five and contending for wins. John Hunter Nemechek eighth. Zane Smith another strong run. To finish ninth in the eight car, he just keeps being consistent in finishing races, which is a big deal for Zane at this point, trying to find the funds to be full-time in the series for next year. And Ryan Sieg rounding out the top ten. And there's another story. Sieg finishing tenth again, a, a very good run and, you know, just not good enough to advance. And Sieg falls out of the playoffs as we narrow the Xfinity field down for the Kansas race as well. And I want to give a shout out to Ross Chastain, who jumps back into the JD Motorsports number four and goes out and does what Ross Chastain does. Um, again, the team puts a, a top 10, top 15 car underneath him. And he goes out, finishes 13th. He was inside the top 10 quite a bit. And, um, you know, a nice run for Ross Chastain. And there's Dylan Bassett again in 14th. And, and they keep pointing him out because you know, again, that that's basically a Bassett uh, team using the LeBay 90 as their number, but uh, that's their car, and they they work on it. And and whether it's Dylan or Ronnie in the car, it just seems to run really well. And Dylan coming across again with a 
another top 15 yeah. finish. Nice job for them. Um, Absolutely. And so. and I and I do want to make the point because I've worked with the uh, DGM Racing Squadron a little bit this year on the media side. Uh, they do get additional at-track support from Mario Goslin and some additional uh, staffing help from Mario's team uh, as a part of that owner points deal. But you're right. They are doing most of the work on that car through the week uh, at home, which is a big deal for yes. that for that team to go out and run well. It definitely is. So um, we'll, uh, we'll continue to talk about uh, the playoffs on the Xfinity side, and we'll also uh, talk trucks in uh, the next segment as well. You are listening to Lead Lap, and we shall be right back. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. We're growing like crazy and need account reps who know their way around agencies, the Internet, and social media. Got connections? Or do you know how to get to the decision makers? Are you fearless? We need you. Internet radio, or as we call it, wireless mobile radio, is rapidly becoming the place to be with almost limitless income potential. So contact us to get involved with the fastest growing professionally produced group of internet radio stations in the world. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or you can email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. I'm Kaz Grala, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Kaz Grala had the best line on Twitter earlier today as a matter of fact he goes i'm tired of this off weekend stuff 
just kind of matter of fact, like, cause he hasn't been in the car for a few weeks, but, uh, oh, I, okay. I think we're all, yeah. um, well, I, I think I we're all looking forward to seeing Kaz back in the car soon. Well, and you know, hopefully he will be, um, I'm hearing through the grapevine that there may be some positive things in store for Kaz, uh, for next year. So hopefully, um, that comes to fruition because there's certainly nobody who deserves a full-time shot more than Kaz. And it would, you know, it would be interesting because, again, if, if you can piece together enough support from the uh, financial side to put a full season together uh, with Tyler Reddick moving up to the Cup Series, you've got the main seat in the Xfinity Series at Richard Childress Racing, at least as far as we know for the moment, um, you know, unfilled for 2020. So an opportunity perhaps for Kaz to be the next, uh, next batter up, so to speak in that car, if he can just find enough, uh, find enough funding to do it. Exactly. No, that's, that's all well and good. And I think, uh, you know, in a perfect world, that's what you would have happen, isn't it? You elevate your part-time driver to full-time and, uh, you sure. know, move your, move, uh, Tyler Reddick up to the cup series and all's, uh, well and good there because Kaz has certainly proven in his limited starts in Xfinity this year. He's got speed. Oh, there's no question. And, and the thing about Kaz is he is just so intelligent. You know, he, he is so engineering savvy and understands the cars and, and all of the things that you need to know. Um, you know, I feel like with a full season, he would certainly contend for a championship without a doubt. And speaking of that on the Xfinity side, as we look at uh, what we've got, of course, you know, you've got Bell, Custer, Reddick, and Sindrick as your um, big four, if you will, Fab Four. But, you know, Allgaier, Briscoe, Annette, uh, you know, Gregson, they're still there. I mean, you know, you, you've you got, uh, again, you're, it's, uh, Annette and Gregson hanging by a thread. But, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the spread here, uh, really from um, fourth on back, I mean, Sendrick's 45 out of the lead right now. And then, you know, you start, he's the cutoff, so to speak, for the next round. Um, and then you start looking at Allgaier, Briscoe, Annette, and Gregson are all within 12 points of Sendrick. So, you know, this is a, this is a wide open uh, deal as we go into the next round for the Xfinity series. And I love it that way. I mean, I, again, I think we've had a very exciting series this year and I love seeing these young guys. You got, obviously you got, uh, Allgaier who's kind of in, in a net who are sort of the outliers as, you know, more experienced, shall we say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, I love seeing these young guys, the way that they've battled back and forth all year. And, you know, you start, seeing Cindric really come on when he needs to. And Briscoe is not out of this. I mean, Chase could be, boy, if he can, if he can get off to a hot start in this next round, Chase Briscoe could be a surprise um, down the stretch here, because I feel like, you know, at least the majority of the tracks again, are tracks that Chase could do well at. If he could, if he could find a win or, you know, even, um, a second or third coming out of Kansas, boy, mm -hmm. <laughs> this could be interesting. 
it could be interesting. And I think that's what makes this Xfinity playoff battle so much fun right now is you've got three guys who are kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. But that fourth spot, any I, I believe any one of those five guys who are left in this could yeah. feasibly get that fourth and final spot. Yeah, yes, Austin Sindrick is the favorite in a way, but if he has a bad day or if he struggles and doesn't quite get the points he needs to get, you know, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, any of those guys who are in the role of the chaser, uh, um, Chase Briscoe uh, is another one. You know, any of those guys could easily get to that fourth spot. As you mentioned, they're only sure. separated by 12 points right now. That's hardly anything when you get down to it. Well, you're exactly right. Okay, so now uh, let's talk some trucks here because, of course, uh, the truck series returning to action at Talladega. And again, you know, it's 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 almost ridiculous for us to sit here and make conversation about, well, this one has a good shot and that one has a good shot because I mean, anybody can win at Talladega. It's Talladega. Everybody exactly. has a shot. So let's look at the, the six-pack, so to speak. I mean, that's what we've got left for the championship battle here. Yes, and, and it's all we're going to have left because Thor Sports' appeal to try and get their two drivers reinstated was denied. Well, and, you know, bless their hearts, but um, that had no chance. I guess no, you got to try, but had no chance. Uh, that was just not going anywhere. I mean, okay, yeah, I, I know that uh, the the engine manufacturer admitted that you know they probably had an issue, but nonetheless, you just you can't do that. Um, so what we've got left is Brett Moffat, Austin Hill, Ross Chastain, Stuart Friesen, Matt Crafton, and Tyler Ankrum. The top six separated by 29 points if you go all the way back to Tyler. The cutoff, though, Stuart Friesen is 20 back, Crafton three behind him, and then Ankrum nine behind him. And really, if you want to go this far, Austin Hill is only 12 points ahead of Ankrum and Chastain 11 ahead of Ankrum. So the, the point I'm trying to make here is we have absolutely no idea who is going to uh, you know, who's going to do what at this point from here, because it's anybody's ball game. Um, and you look at a driver like Tyler Ankrum and you say, well, he hasn't had a great playoff up to now. And the response would be, we're going to Talladega and he's still within 12 points of second. Yep. Yep. And that's the point here, isn't it? That, you know, Tyler Ankrum has done, Everything that's been asked of him the entire way, but at the same time, he's done just enough to move on. And this comes at a huge opportunity for him because he can win this race just as easily as anybody else in the field can win this race. And you know yes. what? I think Tyler Ankrum goes into this Talladega race with a go-for-broke mentality. Believe you can win this race. Try to win this race. You don't know what's going to happen the next two weeks. And at this point, you're already one round ahead of where you thought you were going to be at the start of the year. Everything's gravy. Well, yes, that's exactly right. I agree with you. And and I think, you know, almost any of these drivers really need to do that at this point because it's just too close of a race. And, you know, for anybody who says they don't like the playoff format, really? I mean, <laughs> you know, this is, um, to me, this is way more exciting 
then you know if, if if you didn't have this kind of thing to talk about and you were just looking at i mean obviously talladega is excitement enough for itself but you know for the most part i think this part of the season to be able to to focus on these guys and of course you can't if you start talladega you can win it so it, you know we don't want to discount anybody behind the top six but you know, you just look at this, and, and it's really cool to see Moffat and Hill, who basically, um, they didn't exactly swap rides, but it more or less. Um, you know, Hill took Moffat's truck, um, and Moffat went over to GMS and replaced Sauter, who then went to Thor Sport, and he's out of the playoffs now. Um, you know, but then you got Chastain sitting there, who is the most improbable. Um, if it weren't for Tyler Ankrum, <laughs> yes. Chastain would be the biggest story. Well, I, I, you, you know, know what? I think we at least knew that Tyler Ankrum was going to make an attempt. We didn't even know until the middle of May that, or not even the middle of May, almost the middle of June, that Ross Chastain was going to be uh, even make an attempt at the truck playoffs because he had to change his points mid-season. Well, he did, but you, but but if you're looking for biggest story out of this top six. Boy, you'd have a hard time convincing me that there's a bigger story than Tyler Anker missing like the first three races, not knowing if he's even going to be able to run the whole season and getting on such a run that um, he managed to attract enough sponsorship to get him into and, you know, continue to, to let him run the the playoff races here. Um, you know, I think Ankrum knocks Chastain off of that perch for most improbable playoff run here, though certainly Chastain would be, um, you know, it, it would probably be a photo finish here. And, it, you know, again, we may see, you know, we've got, we've got time here to see who ends up being the biggest story because, you know, this, I think this weekend is largely going to set a pattern uh, going forward from here for, you know, where everybody shakes out. We all know Talladega can change things in a whole bit of a hurry. So, um, and I think the truck race is going to be the craziest race of all. Um, Duh. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, so, you know, this this is really going to be fun to, to watch this weekend. I love the way this is setting up, Jacob. And, you know, it's um, it's good to see that uh, we've got such a close deal going down the wire here because you're going to get to the final four and I don't care what happens the next, you know, the next few weeks for these, these trucks, you're going to get to Homestead and have four, four drivers who have earned their way and four drivers who deserve to be there. And right now we can't predict which of these six are going to boil down to the final four because we're going to Talladega. And like I said, from second on back is 12 points. You know, that's 12 spots on the racetrack, and we haven't even, you know, but here's what I will say. This is Ankrum's best shot, and he needs to make good because he's got to get some stage points. That's the one place Ankrum's been lacking in this playoff so far is, ju is just not getting a bunch of stage points. He needs to run up front all day and contend. This is his chance to really step, step up his uh, playoff situation is this weekend at Talladega, I think. Oh, absolutely. If you can get off on the right foot at Talladega, it's going to make the rest of this a lot easier because we're going after Talladega to Texas, which is a right. mile-and-a-half track, which Tyler Ankrum's proven he can run it in the running for wins at mile-and-a-half tracks all year. And you've also got, uh, 
what is it, Martinsville thrown in there? Yeah, yeah. Where yep, that's the third one. So yeah, you know, it's. I mean, again, you know, I don't want to make too much of that, but just to say that, you know, he's got a. I'm know, sorry, not. I I lied. I'm sorry, not Texas, uh, Phoenix. Oh, that's yeah. Because that's they moved the Texas race to the spring, so it's uh, Talladega, Martinsville, and Phoenix. But either way, I think I think Tyler Ankrum can go and run well at Phoenix too. Frankly. Well, he can, but but he's still got to get himself some state. He's he he can't because otherwise you have you start having to rely on winning a race. He's got to these next three races. He's got to be up front and getting a good set of stage points. If he's not. Uh, winning the race itself he's got to at least either win stages or run up front in these stages and keep himself in in the horse race here because i just don't think you can finish behind these other guys for two weeks and go into you know phoenix uh having to basically do what he did the last round and um winging a prayer his way because i just i don't have a lot of faith at that point that that happens so you you've got to get your round off to a good start with that um, we need to step aside more with the uh, trucks coming up and our lightning round as well. Stick around. This is Lee Lap presented by HMS Motorsport. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Well, I've been afraid of Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. 
When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Wing Lab, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. You can find them on the web at HMS Motorsport, no S, HMS Motorsport.com. And uh, we continue to chat with Jacob Seelman from Speed Sport and Sprint Car Midget. Dot com and uh, just to sort of advance the Talladega conversation a little bit, we've kind of hit the uh, the playoff drivers for the the truck series and also for the Cup series, Xfinity series, having the weekend off. So uh, let's talk about um, some winners and losers here. Uh, we'll start with the trucks because, well, we can. Um, who wins the truck race at Talladega and who becomes the biggest, uh, who is the driver we're talking about coming out of Talladega in terms of the playoffs? Well, huh. Uh, put 32 names in a hat and pick one. Frankly, that's how, <laughs> that, that's just about how I feel. In regards to this uh, this playoff race, and my my response to you is, the driver I think is going to win this Talladega Truck Race, believe it or not, is a driver who's not in the playoffs, but a driver who wants to prove that he ought to still be in the playoffs. Grant oh Enfinger. Gosh, are you and I going to do the same thing? Go ahead. Who's yours? Grant Enfinger. Nope. <laughs> okay you you um, were gonna say johnny Sauter, weren't you nope okay nope, not at all um grant m is an interesting pick i i feel like grant does have something to prove uh obviously um i felt bad for both him and johnny because you know you you weren't eliminated because the other guys were better you were eliminated because of a mechanical failure and you never like to see that especially uh, two drivers as tough as they are. So that's a good pick. No, actually, um, my my thing is that um, I'm looking down at 10th place in the standings and looking at old Harrison Burton to, uh, to to finally get it done. I think this is, you know, if if you're Harrison, again, this, this feels like an opportunity because Talladega is such a wild card. And, you know, Harrison loves these bigger tracks. I don't see any reason why Harrison can't pull an upset and um, and, and pull out a win for right. KBM. Um, you know, he is uh, he's a driver that really has not had the season that I know he would have wanted to have. Um, and he's not had the season, certainly, that Kyle Busch would have wanted him to have. And I feel like Harrison's a guy you got to watch. I think uh, the driver we're talking about coming out of Talladega, though, I do believe will be Tyler Ankrum. I think that team, again, we know Talladega is a wild card. 
you know, you can get caught in something or whatever. But I believe if 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 he can run clean all day, I think that 17 truck puts himself in a better playoff position than he's in right now. And, you know, we we start to look ahead and say, well, okay, now he goes to Martinsville where we know he can run well. And um, in Phoenix as well, I think Ankrum is the one we're talking about coming out. But I think Harrison Burton would be the guy. If you're asking me to pick a winner, um, it's Talladega. I'm not I'm not into two inch limbs. So no, neither I'm, am uh, I. I'm going out there on a limb and, and I'm picking Burton to win. So we'll, well see how that but, works You know, out. the reason I picked Grant Enfinger is not because he's a two inch limb. Quite frankly, I, I don't know that there really are any two inch limbs in this truck series field anymore when it comes to. Uh, restrictor plate racing but well, you know, Grant Enfinger is a driver who I think is going to be driving mad and driving with a chip on his shoulder because they're not in the playoffs anymore and we know he knows how to handle the draft and we know he knows how to get to victory lane there and he's the home state favorite by the way well heck if you're if you're just talking about drivers driving with a point to prove you can start with solder yeah um, and, and then go right down seven is solder eight is Enfinger nine is Ben Rhodes uh who has every reason to drive mad at this point? Um, because that's how that's how most of his season's gone mad. Um, and Harrison Burton, and I'll even throw Sheldon Creed and Todd Gilliland in there as two guys who, you know, any anybody in the top twelve. I guess I would have defined a two-inch limb as basically anybody sitting in the top three. <laughs> right Fair now, enough. I think Moffat, Hill, and Chastain would be your. Your two-inch limbs at this point, maybe freezing as well if you want to go there. But uh, yeah, so interesting, um, interesting race certainly for the truckers. Um, back to the Cup side now. Who comes out of this with a win? And who are we talking about? Who who's the one that we're talking about of the playoff guys coming out of it in the Cup series? Well, you know what. I have a couple different things I want to touch on here, as a matter of fact, and one of them is remembering the statistic that I wanted to bring up in the lightning round. I finally remembered it. So I was looking at the numbers, and you know who's looking up for me right now? He's not in the playoffs either. Who's that? Jimmy Johnson. You know why? Jimmy Johnson right now, remarkably is riding a streak of three consecutive top ten finishes. You want to know how long it's been since Jimmy Johnson has had three consecutive top ten finishes? You've got to go all the way back to his most recent championship season in 2016 when he had four consecutive top 10 finishes during the playoffs in 2016 at New Hampshire, Dover, Charlotte, where he won, and Kansas. So I'm not saying that everything's fixed in the 48 camp, but I am saying that they look a whole lot better of a race team right now than they have for most of the last two and a half years. And I think they're building a great foundation, he and Cliff Daniels are, for 2020. I listened to their radio a good bit at Dover on Sunday, and Jimmy Johnson sounds like a man who actually knows what he needs now, and they're figuring it out. And I am actually starting to believe that a rebound is possible in 2020. I no longer subscribe to the theory that Jimmy Johnson isn't going to win a race again before it's all over. I am on the bandwagon of Jimmy Johnson and Cliff Daniels are finally starting to trend up. 
Well, okay, but that Whit- still doesn't answer. No, the question. it doesn't. It doesn't answer. But it's a it's a good point <laughs> into uh, getting to that. You know why? Well, and I I agree with you in as far as you went there. I, and oh, and I I'll know. even add this. You know, Cliff Daniels is is a I won't call him a kid. He's about thirty probably now, but he's a he's a, a former driver who came out of the the late models and a good example of someone who you know wasn't able to get there as a driver, but he gets there. He goes another route and ends up being the crew chief. And you look at Alex Johns, who's uh, really just started with Justin Haley, but, you know, only his, I think, fourth race as a crew chief last week at Dover and and they finished fourth. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I think there's, there's two stories there of, of young crew chiefs. You know, we're not only seeing a resurgence of the Johnson team, but I think you're seeing a crew chief in Cliff Daniels who, um, is certainly going to be around a while past the Jimmy Johnson time with Hendrick. And I think Alex Johnson's the same with college racing. If he doesn't get snatched by a cup team eventually, because um, two very bright young crew chiefs there, but okay, back to the question. And who wins Talladega and who comes out of it as the playoff driver we're talking most about. And of course it can be the same driver. (laughs) Okay. So, Going back to my stats, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am actually saying this. Hendrick Motorsports pulled off the whole Chevrolet, we're going to line up and we're going to knock your socks off thing. And I think they're going to do it again. Only this time, I think the driver who knows how to win at Talladega better than anybody else in the Chevy camp is actually going to pull it off. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to say, believe it or not, he's going to play spoiler, and I think Jimmy Johnson wins this weekend. I really do. I I think that Hendrick team will rally, and and I think, um, you know, I think that 48 team will will have a legitimate shot to do what it takes at the end. And as far as the playoff driver that we're talking about, um, does it have to be for a good reason, or can it be for a bad reason? Well, if you want to predict somebody's going to have bad luck, feel Um, free, I guess. I just have this weird feeling in my gut. I I don't I can't explain it I really can't but I've had this weird feeling in my gut all day that I think Joey Logano ends up caught in the big one or has some sort of bad luck and is not able to use Talladega the way everybody seems to think he's going to to just win and get himself out of this hole I think Joey Logano is the guy we're talking about going into Kansas in a must-win situation I really do Oh, boy. Well, um, that's interesting. Well, I guess, uh, you know, if you're see again, the Hendrick Hendrick teams are going to work together. But let's not forget the SHR teams worked together last year and nobody could touch them. Um, But they also ran out of fuel on the last lap. Well, yeah, but I mean, we know the Gibbs cars are going to try to do this. I mean, this is what problem is. And and again, the problem is on super speedways, the Gibbs teams talked about it back in uh, back in April. They're outnumbered, you know, five to 15 or 16 on the Chevy and Ford camps. That's the problem that Toyotas have. There's strength in numbers that they don't have. Well, maybe, but who won Daytona? You know, I think you look at that and, and you, you know, those those guys are strong enough to put themselves in position and they've got De Benedetto. And I think I think that's your guy right there. If you're if you're going to talk upset, I'm I'm if my upset special would be the 95 of Matt De Benedetto. Um, and, you know, I but I here's the guy I'm picking to win. You give stats. I believe what I see. And I do agree with you on the Hendrick side, but 
I'm picking the 88 of Alex Bowman to pull off the victory and just elevate his championship contention status to fleek as um, well, some social group of people used to say, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's outdated already, but um, he's going to set his playoff hopes on, on, on kill here. So Fair Bowman enough. gets the win. And, and I think the playoff guy we're talking most about William Byron, because I think William Byron's going to finish in the top five and have a nice run. And with that, uh, we've got to close this episode of lead lap, throw the checkered. Thanks to our sponsors, of course, HMS Motorsport, um, the, the leader in motorsport safety. Want to thank also mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life, and strutmasters.com, the suspension experts, for Jacob Seelman from Speed Sport and sprintcarmidget.com. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chase Radio. We enjoyed talking racing with you tonight. Look forward to doing it again next week. Until then. Have a great racing weekend. So long. You've been listening to Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Lead Lap Radio is a race chaser media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of the show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.